Welcome to my nightmare. We're talking Alice Cooper on the Metal Shop Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And we are talking Alice Cooper this week. The legendary Alice Cooper. Yes. Now, usually at the beginning of the podcast, I don't just say I'm not a fan, but I'm not a fan, really. Um, I don't want to be negative about it, like because I, he's important and I'm actually digging what he's doing right now more than what he was doing before. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things where uh, I almost really kind of never expected to do an Alice episode. As a matter of fact, since we're doing this, I think like now we have to do a Led Zeppelin episode because <laughs> I definitely like Led Zeppelin more than I like Alice Cooper. Oh, there we go. But um, but when, when did you become aware of Alice? Um, I became aware of Alice Cooper, I think, the way a lot of people my age did. And it was his cameo in Wayne's World. Right. Alice, is this cool? Yeah, come on in. Sorry to bother you, but we had to come and tell you how much we really enjoyed the show, didn't we, Garth? (laughs) Oh, thanks. We're not mental or anything, so don't be afraid. My name is Wayne, and this is Garth. (laughs) Nice to meet you guys. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! We're not worthy! So... Right, and you could tell you was somebody important. Yeah. Because we're not worthy and all that. Yeah, Yeah, because Wayne and Garth were obsessed with him. And I'm sure I had heard, like, schools out on the radio before that. And I didn't really... I didn't have this, like, he wasn't in my consciousness. Because I was, like, 12 years old when Wayne's World came out. So... He was, Alice was kind of in his renaissance at that point. And I think Wayne's World helped a little bit, but he had already had his comeback and had a few successful albums in a row. So it was a natural fit to have, you know, Wayne and Garth. Oh, they got backstage passes to see out. So, yeah, um, I actually knew about Alice ever since I was a little kid because he was, you know, obviously around when I was a little kid. And uh, even though, like, you kind of think of Alice Cooper as being from the 70s, but he's really from the 60s. Yeah. Kind of like the same way you think of the Scorpions from the 80s, but they're really from the early 70s. Yeah. Um, 
And there was, I had some neighbors across the street. I grew up in a really, like, weird neighborhood, weird neighbors. But uh, it was a white family named the Moens. And they lived across the street. And Billy Moen, he was the one who I would hang out with, which was kind of weird because he was, like, seven or eight years <laughs> older than me. But whatever. And they were Alice Cooper fans. So I would hear, like, Alice Cooper and not just, like, I'm 18 or whatever. Yeah. They would play, like, the whole albums. it was really weird like almost to the point where I kind of really didn't think it was music because like I was like into like you know the Bee Gees and like you know uh, Earth Wind and Fire and like really musicy music you know and this stuff was like out there you know and that's when supposedly I saw Alice Cooper now I don't remember seeing Alice Cooper but I remember them talking about taking me to see Alice Cooper and how freaked out I was by everything <laughs> but I really don't remember so I don't count it and I don't like talk about it but supposedly that was my first concert would have been Alice Cooper like around 79 yeah. at the sports arena which is funny because I had sent you that uh the curious case of Alice Cooper concert video not knowing it was at the sports arena so if the timeline lines up that was your first concert that was that right, you were at. Which would be crazy. So I accidentally go like, here's the video of the Alice Cooper concert you supposedly went to. So, But uh, my whole thing with that, too, is once I kind of knew who he was after Wayne's World and stuff like that, that's what my mom mentioned. Oh, yeah, your dad drugged me to go see Alice Cooper on our honeymoon when we, you know, they got married in Vegas in seven, August of 1977. So right. in one week, that was the same week that Elvis died. So oh, geez. they were there when all the lights were turned off in Vegas. And then they went and saw Alice Cooper, which then I did with the magic of the Internet. You can look up anything now. Alice did two shows at the Aladdin Casino in Vegas in August of 77. So they're at one of those. So it was kind of kind of cool. Check that out. I didn't look at the set list, really. But. I thought that was a kind of a neat thing to be able to look at and be like, oh, my parents went to this. My mom was like, my parents got married young. So, like, my mom was 19. My dad was 22. And they went and saw Alice Cooper. Right. Not my mom's thing, though. She was into, like, Neil Diamond and shit like that. 
but she was being a good sport for my dad's sake because he was like, hell yeah, this will be rad because he liked Alice Cooper in high school. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you know, the thing about that shit is like, when you see like Alice Cooper's um, high school pictures and shit like that, it's almost like Dio's high school pictures and they're like in black and white and yeah. they're wearing suits and shit. And, you know, it's like it was really a long time ago. And so it kind of gives you like a better gauge of how shocking that shit must have been in those days. Oh, to yeah. see somebody doing that shit. You got some dude that was like, he came up in the 50s and shit like that where, you know, you had like sock hops and teeny bopper shit. And then he's like going through the flower power 60s. And then all of a sudden he's up there decapitating shit on stage and has dead babies and was just really pushing the envelope. Like he's like the OG of shock rock. Um, totally. Like that's the thing is. But yeah, no, that's the thing. Like I'm actually a fan um, I'm not as big of a fan as I used to be, but I did go through this period in high school. That's the thing. Like, I was always, like, kind of weird when it came to my friends, like, as far as music taste is concerned. Because while I did eventually get into, like, stuff like Metallica and Megadeth and all that, when I first started high school, I was mostly into, like, s- classic rock. So I listened to Queen all the time. And so I wasn't listening to a lot of, like, music of the era. And then... Right. I had gotten into Black Sabbath a little bit and Deep Purple. So all my friends were like all listening to alt rock until like I started hanging out with the metal kids. But during that time period, they're all listening to like alt rock and I'm listening to Deep Purple and Queen. So they're like, oh, you're kind of weird. And a friend of mine happened to like, I think his mom got it from not knowing what he's into. Got him like the best of Alice Cooper CD. So he just pawned it off on me for like as a birthday present. He's like, here you go. Maybe you'll dig this. And I ended up digging it. And the thing was that best of CD, it was the best of the Alice Cooper band. So it was all the shit up until 75 for the most part. So I really dug on that. think the alice cooper band itself was a pretty tight band once they once they started actually playing what could be considered music because i don't i don't know how far you got into the first album (laughs) but that shit was fucking weird and it's like you said it was like right it was like if somebody was trying to play the beatles but shitty 
like Alice. Right. His he didn't sound like Alice. He sounded like he was trying to imitate like Paul McCartney or John Lennon or something. Like the right. whole thing was bizarre yeah. and but like you said, they're like they started out in the sixties, like Alice was opening for the doors. Like and for some reason in your head, they seem farther apart than that. And not only did I was watching a thing where Alice Cooper where he's talking about it, not only did he open for the doors, but he hung out with them a lot. Like he was friends with John Morrison or Jim Morrison. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just said the wrestler's name. Jim Morrison. <laughs> but uh but uh because well John Morrison looks like Jim Morrison, so that's they came up with that right. persona for him. But Jim Morrison he hung out with them. Like Alice will, apparently he he helped contribute a line to uh uh Roadhouse Blues. Um okay. so he hung out and shot a line to him and like uh that ended up in the song. So he was talking about it. he's like, Oh yeah, that's my line. I wrote that with, with Jim Morrison. <laughs> so Wow, yeah, that's a trip. Yeah, so it's a trippy thing. You know there's you know, there's a, there's a couple of things that struck me about um, Alice watching the the uh, the docs that that uh, that I've been watching the last couple of days. One of them is that he was an ugly kid, man. Like he like <laughs> rock and roll was gonna be his only chance to get some pussy, or it was gonna be a bleak for that motherfucker because he oh, looked man. weird, skinny with a, like a fucking weird Salvador Dali mustache and shit. It was like I don't know what. He looked 40 when he was like 25. <laughs> right? Yeah, so so that that thing struck me and then another thing was that God always comes up in his life like, you know, when he was young, he was straight because he was a church kid and his dad was a preacher and whatever. And then he comes back to it like a couple of different times when he needs, you know, uh whatever, help, I guess. And um so that one struck me too that that it's God is a constant thing in in his life, you know, which I would never have known that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not something you would have guessed from his entire stage persona. <laughs> like right. he's for sure not. Dude, he's you know, and what's interesting is uh, his dad was always super supportive of him. Like uh, he. Uh, like when people in their church was were like uh, all like when Alice was at his biggest and people were just like all upset about it and they wanted him to like you know they wanted him to like condemn his son and his dad was like well I understood that this was all an act and this is all tongue in cheek and this is all right. for fun like it was he's not a satanist he's not this and that he's just he came up with this interesting persona and put on a stage show mm-hmm. and so his dad was always supportive and the thing is Alice would say though that his dad um despite being like the super conservative like preacher his dad was super into rock and roll so Alice oh wow Alex could be like he had t- he was talking about like his dad would be shaving, and Alice would like quiz him. He'd be like, "Oh, who played bass on blah 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 album of blah blah so and so?" And his dad would just rattle it off real quick, and just keep shaving, you know. Like that's what his upbringing was like. So he had this preacher dad, but his dad also they were both into rock and roll together. So, right, and uh, that's cool. 
so so he so base so basically he meets this dude Dennis Dunaway at school. They become homies. They're kind of like nerds or whatever, and they decide to kind of like do a talent show thing where they're gonna do a like a Beatles parody or whatever. Yeah, but they don't really know how to play. Whatever they figure it out, but basically the band is born out of a out of a novelty. Yeah, which I'd... makes sense. You know, being what they would become. It it makes sense that 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 happened, but you know, that's one of my that's one of my I think Alice Cooper hit at like a trifecta of pet peeves for me because one I don't like like novelty, I don't <laughs> like like mixed genres of things, you know I don't want any uh, comedy in my horror or or uh, or horror in my porn or any you know I, I like everything to be like and it's nice where it's supposed to be so that was another thing and then the Alice androgyny thing was another thing that I guess I was way too macho for at that time yeah it was like yeah I didn't like anything that was like that you know so I think really I, I didn't get uh, I probably didn't give him a, a proper chance yeah but if I did like any part of it, it definitely would have been the original band. something going on you know besides just the alice thing yeah well what was interesting about that like it's i think it's kind of funny how everything came about too because like you said it was they were a novelty act at their school talent show and the band was originally named the spiders and then they i guess they decided the spiders were too generic so they uh renamed the band naz n-a-z-z right and then they found out there was another band called Naz. So they're trying to come up with a band name. And, you know, Vincent Fernier at the time, just, I don't know, he's, he's trying to think of something unique sounding that fits for their weird avant-garde shit that they're doing at the time. And he's like, what if, what, what if we just call the band like Alice Cooper or something? And they're like, okay, that's that's weird. That fits up with our freak out the squares persona. Let's do it. Right. And then there's like the Ouija board. There's like the Ouija board legend story. Yeah. That, I, you know, they got it through there or whatever, which works out nice. I heard that story. I've heard that exact same story, like, with other, like, 
some people say like Marilyn Manson, that's how he came up with his name. But then other people are like, no, he just had Marilyn Monroe and Charles Manson smashed together. But um, right. the Ouija word story is always going to be good for an evil rock act. But what's funny to me is, though, Vince at the, you know, he's still going by Vince. He was never supposed to be Alice Cooper. That was just the name of the band. Right. But because people were getting it, it's kind of like um, Hootie and Hootie and the Blowfish, you know, <laughs> where they just assumed he's Hootie. Totally. And his name's Darius Rucker. He's never been Hootie. Right. He just, at this point, I think he just answers to Hootie. But everybody just go like, oh, Alice, Alice, Alice. And Alice would be like, huh? Oh, are you talking to me? Uh, because they just figured that he, the guy's, the lead singer's name must be Alice Cooper. You know? It's like... Right, right. So that that's how it became a thing. And then... For consistency, he legally changed his name to Alice Cooper after the original band right. broke up. So right, yeah. See now, when when he became Alice Cooper, to me, that's like the beginning of the end of the band. Because if I'm in the band and I'm like, wait a minute, we're Alice Cooper now, but you're Alice Cooper now. So what the fuck do you need us for? Yeah, you know. I would have been thinking that shit right away. Oh, that seriously, that'd be like if one day Robert Plant showed up in the studio and be like, I've changed my name legally to Led Zeppelin, <laughs> you know, and everybody like, yeah, yeah, that's fucking weird. <laughs> but yeah, that's the uh, but yeah, the the funny thing is, is I can never get like I've out of these documentaries, you hardly ever get like a straight story about why the original Alice Cooper band broke up. It's just like, and it sounds like they thought that they're being treated like sidemen. Um, yeah. And then some stories are the rest of the dudes in the band. Um, they wanted to experiment a little bit more musically. They didn't want it to be so much about the show. Alice is basically like, the show is what's fucking selling, guys. To, to be fair, I think they had the songs to back it up and the chops too. But really, it's about the show. It's the Alice Cooper experience, you know? So there, it seems like there was clashing about that. And then eventually right. Alice is like, well, let's, I'm going to do my own thing. It seemed like that. It seems like it's one of those, the great, it's like the Van Halen story where you hear some people say, oh, we're supposed to just mm -hmm. kind of take a break from each other. But, right. you know, Alice goes his own way. The rest of the band goes their own way. They cut one album as the Billion Dollar Babies, which didn't really go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So... Right. And Alice is continuing to find success as a solo act, so it's like, it's kind of like he was right. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, he, in in one of the ones that, he, that I watched, he basically says, you know, um, I figured Bob Ezrin was a sure thing. Mm -hmm. And... Whatever I did with him was gonna was gonna do well, so I just went with the sure thing. Yeah, and um, and in in essence, it turned out to be good for him and quite a few other people. But um, but if I was fucking Dennis Dunaway, I'd be fucking pissed. You know, <laughs> what I mean, because basically that would be like my story. Like like if my band had made it, 
And then at some point, Lenny says, fucking, hey, you know what? Solo, fuck you, fuck you guys, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'd kill that motherfucker. You know what I mean? I mean, fucking. So, and at some point, I think, like, in the doc, one of the docs that I saw, it was like, uh, he says, Dennis says, I, he got in a car. And then they said, oh, you got to get out. This is Alice's car. <laughs> and basically, you guys have that car, and this is Alice's car, or whatever. And so he goes, yeah, I better get out of this car. Because if that motherfucker gets in this car, I'm going to stab that motherfucker. <laughs> you know? So he was like, yeah, he wasn't fucking... I guess he got over it because they worked together over the years. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I would say at the end of the day, like you said, they worked together down the road. And the original Alice Cooper band is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, that's that's who got inducted. It was Alice Cooper and the, you know, and the original band. So... They got their, they got their due, right? Which is cool. Which is cool. Which I think was a smart move because that's one of those inductions where you gotta be like, okay, who? If we induct Alice Cooper, who do we induct? Do we induct just the dude? Mm-hmm. No, we gotta induct the Alice Cooper band, and then it's like, all right, we gotta leave it at that because if you start inducting every fucker that's played. <laughs> I don't think we need the buff guitarist in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. we just keep referring to him as just the buff guitarist but i mean he has a name right <laughs> it's kane. Well, his name is just as ridiculous what is it kane roberts yeah, kane roberts yeah yeah um so that's just as ridiculous as just being the buff guy but <laughs> i mean that's alice cooper for me it's it's interesting because like you said it's influential it's not really your thing i feel like this is an right. episode we had to do um I mean, if we're going to cover it, we've been doing all kinds of metal history. And at the end of the day, Alice Cooper is integral to heavy metal history because. Oh, for sure. Everything in metal, as far as the presentation and the stage show, kind of spins off of that. Mm-hmm. When Kiss was getting sold on people, it was basically, oh, this is a band of four Alice Coopers, you know. That's how they were selling them. Despite the fact, honestly, the Kiss stage show 
is nothing like the Alice Cooper stage show or anything like that. Kiss had, okay, they all wore makeup. Alice had his face paint, which is pretty minimal compared to theirs. Um, right. But there you got Gene breathing fire and spitting blood. But other than that, it's, yeah, it's crazy costumes and big pyrotechnics and shit. Whereas an Alice Cooper show was fucking dancers and a giant spider coming out and attacking him. And then they're going to simulate him going up. He goes up to a guillotine and it cuts his head off and all that kind of shit. So sometimes there's a noose. Yeah. It's like you said before the Alice it's hard rock vaudeville, which did not. Right. That wasn't your thing, which I (laughs) know. And, but you know what? I just, I, today I watched, um, Alice Cooper, 2017 at Vakken and I dug it because it's um, updated, right? Mm-hmm. He's got three guitar players in that band. He's got uh, Ryan Roxy. He's like he's like kind of a a, a rock and roll guy. Uh, you know, he's played with Slash and um, Gilby Clark and those kind of guys. And then he's got uh, Tommy Hendrickson. Who was originally came from Warlock with Doro Pesh, mm-hmm. and then he left that band. So he's more of a metal guy, but in this band he kind of plays more rock style. And then he's got uh, Nita Strauss, who's the metal girl. Yeah, and she brings the metal sound. So they sound more metal now than they ever have before. Oh, for I sure. Think. You know, the interesting thing about him, too, is um, he's, I mean, he, you can pretty much thank him for being aware of Nita Strauss. Like, right. she was she was in the Iron Maidens, and she was kind of a local legend in L.A. and Southern California. But Alice Cooper bringing her into her band, into his band, and her replacing Oriamfi that launched her into like guitar 
superstardom because you know now it's like I think it's interesting that she was the next. So Orianthe is the first girl to ever play guitar in, with Alice Cooper, and then they immediately when she left, they replaced her with another chick. Like they decided that's kind of the that's the spot. that's the look that Alice wants now. He wants a cute blonde chick playing right. guitar in his band. So when Nita Strauss eventually leaves, if he's still going, you wonder who's the next blonde guitar chick that's going to be in his band because it seems like that's right. That's going to be what the the pattern. So for sure, and they all they all played. They all got solos and on different songs. Um, but Ori, uh, but Nito was the only one that had a spotlight solo yeah. in the show, right? And then, um, and then the show was in the day, which you know is a big festival, which kind of changed the dynamic of it because everything was kind of more bare naked. Yeah, like it was just going on outside, as compared to what <laughs> you usually see when it was dark and lights and weird shit. So it kind of gave it a different element, and I liked it better. For I don't know why, but I I kind of like the whole show better. Okay, what I was gonna say is maybe it's just the fact that at this point it's just a more straightforward rock show. Yes, that is what it is, and uh, and they you know they have their their moments that they do their things you know, and and it's cool whatever, but it's but it doesn't seem like as elaborate as it used to be or maybe it just doesn't bug me as much as it used to (laughs) and and it actually everything looks better now so it's not as corny as it was yeah i guess the original the original show is it's when you look at it now it's like what the those spiders look stupid (laughs) like but at the time it was like wow this is wild but they're all like the funny thing is is when people talk about how Alice has inspired other acts, like when you go and watch Ghost, that's that's Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the lead singer, you know, uh, it's like when we went and saw them, you even said that was how you described it because you'd seen them when they weren't the main attraction. So you're like, oh, I guess I this is it. But when you saw it, when it's an evening with Ghost, you go, oh, you know, at the time the, the singer's... Uh, character was Cardinal Copia. Now he's Papa Emeritus the Fourth. You know he got in their canon. He got he got made the new Pope of the Satanic Church. But either way, um, he's basically their Alice Cooper. He's it's it's all about him and his interaction with the audience and that. Um, so that's a very Alice Cooper thing. Kiss not so much. I'd say the group that took the most from Alice Cooper and then turned it up a million times is Guar with their stage show. Oh, yeah. So. Right. Right. And then, uh, you know, uh, Marilyn Manson mm-hmm. obviously inspired, you know, um, Wasp. Um, a lot of a lot of people. But, you know, a lot of dudes that I didn't know were uh, is like the Sex Pistols and um, the Ramones were into Alice Cooper. Yeah. And kind of like stole like a couple of chord structures from like eighteen and schools out and you know because those kind of songs I mean the songs that really made them when they were young they were really simple and would lend themselves to punk really well you know the 
the just three or four chords. There's like a proto punk band that I'd kind of come across because I'd seen um, uh, Guns N' Roses cover a song of theirs before, but they're called uh, Rocket from the Tombs, which later there's a San Diego band, Rocket from the Crypt, kind of ripped off their name because they're inspired by them. But they're proto punk, and um, they have a song, So Cold, that it's basically the riff from 18 and they even admitted that they got inspired right. by you know Alice Cooper and kind of you know they slowed it down but it's a very similar chord structure and riff so yeah there's a, there's that punkiness to it yeah yeah so so yeah a lot of people a lot of people dug uh Alice Cooper and one thing that really never uh crossed my mind was that chicks dug him, you know? Because I always thought, well, that's an ugly motherfucker. They, he's he ain't never gonna get. But like in the movie that uh, the documentary and the behind the music or whatever, there was chicks like throwing themselves at at this dude, and because that's how big of a star he yeah. was. And again, it's something that you don't really realize if you weren't there. Yeah, you, know? you kind of have to be there a little bit for some of that. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit too how you can kind of divide Alice's career into maybe three or four acts in a way where Mm -hmm. the original act, not counting when they're like weird avant-garde Beatles shit with, you know, when Frank Zappa signed them to his label. Frank Zappa. Yeah. I still think it's that's kind of a funny story, though, that he left his brother in charge when they're recording their first record and all he did was record like their warmups and, and it was all done in one afternoon and it fucking sounds like it. <laughs> but, um, right, right. You have the Alice Cooper band, which it's pretty straight ahead, hard rock. You got that going for you. And there's the show Alice. Then you have the initial solo Alice. And when you listen to the music, it sounds like hard rock musical theater now. It doesn't have the same just straight ahead rock sound that the original band did. It's a lot more out right. there. and Yeah, it's not like genuine. And every album feels like a concept album. And then he takes that whole right. concept on the road. So when he's doing the Alice Cooper show and he's touring for an album... This whole stage show is like a concept show. There's kind of a storyline to it. Right. And like you said, it's like vaudeville at this point. So then after that, then he nearly kills himself drinking and gets mm-hmm. super weird with it. I don't know if you eventually try to listen to that Dada album. Enough's 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 enough. This year's been really, really rough. it's fucking weird yeah <laughs> and you know the the thing that pisses me off about it 
Well, first, let me go back a little bit because there's a couple of things that in what you were talking about that I wanted to touch on. Um, the Frank Zappa thing, I've never got Frank Zappa either. Like, there's a lot of people who think he's a guitar genius and musical genius and all this stuff and whatever. And I've been real high too, <laughs> but um, I don't. But I don't get it. Like, I I, I really don't get it. And so, but I understand why the first album came out like that because it's associated with with him, yeah, right. And um, and then another thing that that made me laugh was um, that they originally met Frank Zappa through the this chick band that lived in Frank Zappa's basement of some. Oh yeah, that was he it the GTOs? And the GTOs. And the thing that struck me about them was that one of them is Pamela DeBar, which they, it's spelled like Des Bars. Uh-huh. But I've seen her in a million documentaries, and this is the first time that I ever heard that she was in a band, because every other documentary I've ever seen her in, she's described as a super groupie. <laughs> so, you know, so I had always known this chick as... Yeah, as this groupie, and now I'm saying, dang, she was in a band all this whole time, and we, you know, we just like. And all they did was talk about like she, all she did was fuck rock stars. <laughs> That's super uncool. Which I guess she also did, but whatever. Anyway, so um. Uh, yeah, no, there. I'm just I googled her, and first thing, you have pictures of her with uh, Jimmy Page, with super groupie Pamela DeVar. But it even says in her Wikipedia is a Pamela DeVar is a former rock and roll groupie musician and actress. Like she gets groupie before musician. Right. <laughs> but she was in groupie a groupie first. See, but to be fair, I, I guess she was better at that. To, well, to be fair, the her she's all, the GTOs only had one album. <laughs> so, right. And that came out in right. 69. So, there you go. so she went with her, what worked for her. But. Yeah, she went with her strengths. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so so that album didn't uh, surprise me that it was weird. And then uh, when you told me about those other ones, the ones that he said he doesn't remember making, well, I totally would say I didn't remember making that either. <laughs> but uh, but the but the thing that pisses me off about it, as a also a drunk, uh, reformed drunk or whatever. Is that it doesn't have any of the... If you're blackout drunk, then this thing should have, like, some anger and some rage and some inappropriate outbursts or some kind of shit that, you know, you associate with drunk behavior. That would have been better, you know, I think. Yeah. Because um, I, I don't know what that is. It's, it's, it's fucking, fucking weird. Yeah, it's weird. You know, it's funny, going back to the Pamela DeBar thing just a little bit more. It's just... You just think about the fact that the 70s, man, that was a weird time, dude. Like, there were famous groupies. That's, like, not a thing anymore. Right. Like, there's not, like... No. Chicks don't get famous just for being groupies. But there's, like, a bunch of them. Like, there were, like, all these yeah. groupies that were, like, people knew who they were almost as much as the rock stars sometimes. Right. Like, the, this chick... They'd write songs about them and shit. Yeah, this chick yeah, and... Plaster Caster yeah, and shit Yeah, Plaster like Caster, the fucking chick that would make pla- casts of everybody's dicks and 
that like 15 year old girl (laughs) that chick that was like 15 that got passed around like led zeppelin and you know right the stones and shit like that like yeah it's just such that's such a yeah those dudes got to pass on that shit in those days yeah you can't just kidnap a 15 year old (laughs) as a sex slave and get away (laughs) with that anymore you can't kidnap an adult and get away with that as it is Mm -mm. but that was just the thing you know um and it's funny because people talk about that with uh when uh, when r kelly comes up and they're like Mm -hmm. well how come nobody shreds like led zeppelin and the stones and elvis and all these like white rock stars that were all over there messing around with underage girls and honestly that's like that doesn't make what r kelly did okay but it is a no but it's it's a valid question as to why we don't take to task white rock stars that were doing the same things. Right. But let's not make this the racial podcast again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a lot of shit back then was basically like, um, like you had to play ball because like, like for example, I, I tell Lonnie about Babe Ruth. You know, I go, Babe Ruth used to fucking be a fucking scoundrel, right? All the shit that he would do, like, on the road or whatever. But, like, the guys, the journalists who wrote the papers and everything, they would ride on the same train with the team. So if you wanted to be cool with the team and allowed on the fucking train and fucking party and maybe even get some leftover chicks or who knows, then you had to be cool about it. You couldn't be talking all kinds of shit. You know, and the same thing with these dudes with bands. Yeah. Now they figured out that one scandal story is bigger than fucking uh, five years of covering a band. Yeah. You know, if you want to do it that way, that's what's up now. And so, yeah, now they now nobody will keep nothing to themselves. Yeah. That's just the fucking. It's that's the way. That's just. So it's that. There was like a whole like back in the day there was just it was just like that with everything. Like right. You you know nobody really reported on what Babe Ruth did back in his day. Um they right. reported on some right. of the stuff the rock stars did but it's only to like enhance their their mystique, their legend. Their legend of how they're legendary partiers but like it was an open secret that like JFK was fucking Marilyn Monroe. Nobody talked about right. it though in the press. You know, no. Nope. Nobody talked about the fact that honestly, you know, the Kennedy brothers were bouncing her around. Like Robert got some too, right? <laughs> but you didn't talk about that. That was the president. You don't. You don't say that kind of shit about the president. You know, all the way back to FDR. Yep. People wouldn't even talk about the fact that this fool couldn't walk. It was like. Yeah. People knew, like, when he would do speeches, he would prop himself up on the podium and try to act like he could actually stand. It was, like, not an open thing. Like, you don't, you don't, like, undermine the president. Now people undermine presidents all the time. That's all they do. (laughs) All day. And especially this one. But it's, he's so easy to undermine because he sucks so hard. But man, it was like right. It went from 
hush hush the president's having an affair with Marilyn Monroe to man let's tell everybody about the fat chick Bill Clinton was banging <laughs> you know <laughs> right right you know and then as far as the racial component like like you said I think like dudes like uh, James Brown and Chuck Berry and they were they were allowed to do whatever they want but with black girls yeah right like if you tried to do any of that stuff with white girls then you'd get like Jack Johnson oh yeah and you get to go to jail you know or whatever for for uh, transporting her over state lines yeah. or whatever the case might be you know oh yeah so yeah there was a little bit of that but as long as you stayed within certain certain uh, parameters you could still do yeah. I think yeah I think that happened to Chuck Berry like he got busted for transporting a girl across state lines or something like that yeah it's like oh Chuck Chuck um, so back to Alice Cooper or what I wanted to say, like I wanted to, to break up his, his career into like four chapters. So chapter three is after he sobers up and it's a much more straight ahead rock thing again. Um, but he met, mm-hmm. he meddles it up. But when you listen to the records, when he first gets sober, like constrictor and uh, trash and stuff like that. That's when it's like, it's basically heavy metal. It's metal of that era. It's kind of that glammy metal, but mm-hmm. um, kind of what Kiss was doing at the time. But he comes, he has a renaissance to his career because of that. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. and part of that is he started, he started writing songs with that Kane Roberts dude. So buff guitarist kind of helped resurrect <laughs> the Alice Cooper experience, but you know, those, uh, those two albums he did with, you know, the dude, um, it's, it's a trip when you realize Kip Winger is playing bass in the band and stuff like that. Yeah, That's so funny. I didn't expect that when I was looking over the, the personnel, but they're, they're fun albums. They're good, fun pop metal. So, and then I'd say he's in his fourth phase of his career now where it's the, the Alice Cooper All-Star Band, which is your right. the, what you enjoy, where he's got, like, the best dudes he can get to play the songs the best they may have ever sounded live. And... Right. you For sure. And that's what... And he's got a million hits now. So now when he's up, when he's playing Vakken, it's playing the hits. Yeah. Um, that's why it's not so much the Alice Cooper show, because it's like the... It's hit... Uh, a really good band playing all his hits and he's for his age and everything else. He looks great. He sounds great. So, I mean, you got to tip your hat to the dude at that point, but, uh, Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I, I tip my hat to him for several reasons. Number one, he beat two addictions. Yeah. Right. That's rough going. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it really is. And and so and so he did that. He got through it, and now you know he's he's like you said he's putting together the best bands he can put together. You know they're killing it, and according to um, to what I saw in that uh, hired gun documentary, which really explores the highs and lows of being a hired gun, Alice is like the best dude to work for. Oh yeah. You know, he pays you good. 
you know he you get uh, good accommodations you know when it's when it's uh time for you to to take off he encourages you and helps you out if he can you know so he's that dude to really uh, to be in his band if you can man because number one he's gonna treat you right and number two the whole world's gonna know that you're one of the best dudes going right yeah. now and that's I wanted to say um, for uh, talking about Vakin because you're watching that 2017 one with Nita Strauss and it's all during the day mm-hmm. um, I think I sent you the video because of him playing Vakin in like 2013 with Orianti in the band right and that one was cool because he must have been like close to the headliner of that night or something but it starts during the day and gets dark during the show because this is an hour and a half set he plays and he keeps his energy up for an hour hour and a half at his age and he's keeping up with these young ass you know uh uh musicians and it sounds great it's fucking awesome and it's got a cool vibe when it's when it's when it gets dark and that's you know it's got the right. a little more of the vibe and it's kind of funny because that's when like V hits are being played. That's when he's like playing schools out and poison and billion dollar babies right. and shit like that. Right. So it's a, it looks like a super fun experience. So yeah, and like you said, he's he's um, he has the energy. He keeps it up. Uh, he never sounded great, so he doesn't sound any worse. Yeah. He always fucking looked old, so he doesn't really look that much older. Yeah. You know, it's pretty much um, he's he's clicking on all cylinders right now. I think, yeah, it for sure. So, I'm sure you're Alice Coopered out after this past week or two. <laughs> but uh, so, did you have any? I mean, you went through his discography a little bit. Did you have any stand up standout albums of his that you took a listen to and went you know what i think i dig this and got a new appreciation for or you know what it was kind of more like um just remembering certain songs like like um like poison i remember what was going on when that song came out you know because it would have been in 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 rotation with like poison yeah. and like motley crew and you know those kind so i remember that and, and then i remember things that i like um misremembered like i always thought it was be my frankenstein feed. and i was like why would he want somebody to be his frankenstein that's weird <laughs> you know so now i so now i get what it is yeah, you know it um, still doesn't make as much sense but but um the funny thing is that like it seems like he was able to just like reach for a hit like right when he needed one yeah
you know, like especially in those. Uh, I guess it's trash. Trash is the record that um, I was like, you know, this shit all sounds kind of familiar. And it was funny because he wrote a lot of those songs with Desmond Child, who Desmond Child uh, wrote a lot of songs with Paul Stanley. So you hear you hear a little like Kiss in there. Um, the Bon Jovi guys helped him write a song on yeah. there. Joan Jett, and then uh, and then Kane Roberts, who's the buff guy, yeah. and who I did not know until yesterday could actually like sing. Yeah. He had a little minor hit back in the day. Yeah, he's got like some 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 melodic shit, you know. So yeah, interesting. I didn't know any of that, but yeah, this album has this album has um, Steven Tyler on it, John Bon Jovi, Kip Winger, Joe Perry, Steve Lukather, yeah. Joey Kramer, uh, basically all of Aerosmith yeah. on it, and Kane Roberts. Yeah, yeah. So. Trip. I uh, and, and like ten other dudes that I didn't mention. <laughs> yeah. What's kind of yeah, trash has a lot of people on it. Um, what's funny to me is uh, until I sat down because I remember a while back going like, man, that there's that buff dude that played guitar in Alice Cooper videos, and that seemed weird. Like I remember even seeing that when I was like a teenager and going like. Who wants to see that? Like, I'm like, this seems like a weird image to put out. Like, it's like, here's this ripped shirtless dude, like playing guitar next to Alice Cooper. Right. And I'm like, I don't think you, I was like, Alice Cooper still seemed like a, it was aimed mainly towards dudes. So I was like, I don't know what the selling point of this right. guy is. And I thought for the longest time, I thought it was just some dude they hired for the video. I thought it was like a fucking I thought it was like a male model like they had like because it seemed like there's another guy that looked kind of like well now that I realize that Kip Winger was playing bass in the video too probably I realized like the, his band seemed really pretty <laughs> you know and it's yeah. like these pretty dudes yeah. and this ripped dude and then fucking Alice's gnarled ass out there and um so I just thought it was a weird image but then I like realized like oh that wasn't like a model or something like I thought they just like put like a black wig on like Fabio or some shit like but it was just like no that was like the legitimate guitarist for his band that were like would write music with him so that was kind of a funny thing when I realized that a while back but um you know it's funny because I actually saw that band and um they were at the sports arena Motorhead opened and um and it was weird because like our tickets were were basically like in the back, but then um, as as we got there, it was like the most of the arena was shut down, and it was like not, they called it half arena, but it wasn't even half arena. So the stage was like maybe where like the forty yard line would be if it was a football field, and then the rest of it was just the back of the arena, which is where we were. Yeah. Um, and Motorhead opened. Their set got cut short because they started late or whatever. Lemmy was pissed about it. Oh, is that the one that you went deaf at? Yeah. Turned everything up and the feedback was insane. And it just pierced my fucking left ear. And then it was Alice time. And it was just like, uh, whatever. 
you know, we we watched most we watched most of it, but then we just walked around or whatever. But d- that during that show, the buff guy he had his solo, and part of his solo was that he was like ramboed out, and he had like a guitar that was like a machine gun, and he fucking like opened up like yeah, like you know. So I guess I don't know. He was he was supposed to be like a I don't know like a superhero maybe kind of guy or something. I don't know. It was the whole trip, thing though. is he was like he looked like Rambo, so they dressed him like Rambo and gave him a machine gun guitar. But um, yeah, I, I'd have to say because I've went and listened to a lot of Alice Cooper in these last couple weeks, um, really getting to because when I was super the when I was at my peak of being into him, I had like a live album. I had a couple of different. Um, greatest hits compilations so i never really i didn't sit down and listen to the albums a whole lot and uh right from the alice cooper band i think killer is kind of the one that you kind of has has the majority of the hits on it um that's a fun one um trash is just a lot of fun to listen to like you can listen to that album and be like oh this is just a a real this is cool. I, I can dig this. There's a lot of really good tracks on it. Um, there, It's poppy, but it's fun. And I was listening to um, Raise Your Fist and Yell today. And uh, mm-hmm. there's some cool shit on it. And uh, the last track, though, on it, Roses on White Lace, is almost a speed metal song out of nowhere. So that kind of tripped me out. Right. So there's he had those flashes of, like, real heaviness even in the the 80s there but uh right so between 83 83 was dada and then he took like three years off and came back with constrictor right so that was probably the time he was like all the way to the curb that's when he was sobering up basically he he so he got sobered up and was debating whether he's going to come back and do music ever again at that point because he was right. worried, which I could totally understand. He was worried he was going to be a trigger, um, and then he said he played his first show sober, and it was a rush, and it was like, oh shit, right? This is what this feels like sober. This is cool, like that kind of vibe to him, right? Like you know, some people like they right. go, oh, is this going to throw me back into all my shit? Or am I not going to be as entertaining yeah. or this and that? But, man, he got into it and he said it was the, only, the first time he'd ever played sober, basically. And the first time he had felt good on stage and he, did, he couldn't remember. Right. So. Right. You know, that, that's another thing that, that, this, that this one or actually just doing research into a lot of these guys tripped me out because like for whatever reason in my mind shit takes on like a life of its own or a death of its own in a sense (laughs) you know like for example if you're talking about like Hanson right and you're gonna and you're gonna tell me that the Hanson US tour was like the most out of control tour that you ever fucking you know, win on or whatever. It's just hard for me to believe that because they're fucking Hanson and they're so corny. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like they, they would be that, you know? But I come to find out that 
rock stars don't even fucking think like that. You know, like, and, and a lot of times they don't even think of in terms of, oh, you know what? Well, we're heavy metal and we hang out with the heavy metal guys and we do heavy metal stuff or whatever. You know, they're just like, they. some of these dudes are just playing heavy metal because that's what was successful for them. And they tried other shit mm-hmm. first and it wasn't. And if that was successful for them, they would have been doing that, right? So it so it wasn't weird that, you know, uh, Keith Moon hung out with Alice Cooper and one of the dudes from the Monkees, yeah, and fucking, you know, it and and we're all like crazy drunks together, it which I would have just never thought that, you know, yeah, and but it's a trip because the whole rock star thing crosses genres. It crosses like what you think of of who's like you know squeaky clean or uh, or or not you know like Andy Gibb we would have thought he was squeaky clean but he was this huge cokehead yeah. you know or uh, one of the what uh, I forget the dude that died in a plane crash but he was a uh, but he was like a Ricky Ricky uh, he was like a squeaky clean guy too until they found out there was coke on that plane oh, too. Well, sure. Or something. Anyways, like it's like you're not talking about Richie Valens from La Bamba, are you? <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, no. But like a like a almost that's like a similar thing too. Those guys were partying too, but uh, but not so much in the fifties. But yeah, no, I can't fucking. Uh, I it's, I want to say Ricky Martin, but it's not Ricky. It's not Ricky Davis. It's something like that. Yeah. So no, that just tripped me out that that guys that I thought of as as you know just corny guys or whatever mm-hmm. but they're fucking still rock stars doing rock star shit you know which is cool oh yeah which is crazy I and mean, you know what we forgot you know we're getting close to the end of the podcast here but uh we completely forgot about alice cooper's side uh side project the uh what's it the hollywood vampires right yes uh which that that name that name is actually based on those guys that I was telling you about, uh, the the monkeys guy and Keith Moon, and they used to hang out at the uh, the Rainbow, and they had their own little private club in there or whatever, and it was those guys. And so now it's who's it now? Yeah, because those guys, it was John Lennon, Ringo Starr, Keith Moon, Mickey Dolenz, and Alice Cooper all hung out together, and. Uh, the group, its uh, uh, current members are Alice Cooper, Joe Perry, and Johnny Depp. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Touring musicians is Tommy Hendrickson, Glenn Sobel, Chris Wise. But uh, they've had like Duff McKagan, Brad Whitford, Matt Sorum, uh, Bruce Wickin, mm-hmm. Robert DeLeo. So it's like been all that, but yeah, it's right. named after his crew that he used to roll with in the seventies. Um, which, yeah, you. I imagine one of those shows is like a an event, you know, if nothing else. Yeah, it, should, it would be probably fun to go to. Yeah, yeah, it's that's another thing you don't think of. Uh, you don't think of Alice Cooper hanging out with John Lennon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't think that. You wouldn't think that. Have you ever seen Johnny Depp play guitar? Oh, I'm sure I've seen the videos here and there, but uh, nah, he's not bad. He's, I mean, he, he, I've seen worse. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, he's all right. He 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 uh, 
he's passable. Yeah, he seems like one of those dudes that's he's probably like the best guitarist in his high school, and then he became an actor. Yeah, like that kind of thing. Right. So, but he always had one around. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that's our episode. I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, nobody's doing anything, so we don't have anything to plug. Uh, <laughs> No plugs, no concerts to go Nothing to. Nothing to do. Um, we, sur- we survived the great riots. Yeah, we survived the riots. As far as that goes, I'm getting... I just saw uh, Iron Maiden um, booked a gig in Madrid, June of next year, soccer stadium. Cool. So, they're planning a year from now to have like a regular ass gig like you'd see on TV. I don't know about all that, you know. Um, there's a couple of shows coming locally to uh, Last in Lines coming in December. Uh, actually, um, the Iron Maidens are playing uh, the Brick by Brick, I believe in June or July. Hmm. Oh, it's already June. So, so I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think I'll be going to that. Maybe by December? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe by December for a small gig? Yeah. Not a big one. Well, I think it's funny when you posted that uh, mm. Ticketmaster is doing, uh, oh, get your tickets without paying any fees. And you're like, oh, good, when there's nothing to fucking go to. Right. Fuck you, Ticketmaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you put uh, in that one, like them. a hashtag oh, yeah, of like so Live much. Nation is Ticketmaster in case people didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, jeez. Yeah, no, I. That's I, and you know what? Somebody during this time has got to be figuring out how to like bypass that shit. You know, because you know what? Like, I remember I bought some uh, Doug Stanhope tickets one time, and it was through a thing called Brown Paper Tickets. Yeah. And it was like, it was like three or four bucks for the fees. And you know what? That's fine. You know, if I, if, so I don't have to go down there or whatever, I'll give you five bucks. You know, I'll give you six bucks. But I don't want to give you 35 bucks, man. <laughs> you know, it's just fucking ridiculous to the, it's, it's, oh, it's to the point where it's like fucking, you know, we should be rioting about that, you know, fucking yeah. shit. But yeah, I hope that somebody fucking, somebody can find a way to make themselves a few dollars and still not screw yeah. us. I think uh, I want to say uh, Shores when uh, his band was playing uh, um, at the Chem Club a couple times. They went through the brown paper ticket um, site to sell right. tickets to the to the Fiends shows. Um, and there was like an oh like it was like yeah the charge was like maybe a buck or two to process instead of trying to you can't you well you couldn't really buy the tickets at the door there. So, right, right. You just had to pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So that's our episode on Alice Cooper. Uh, I think we pretty much got into all the eras and uh, everything that we like about them. And you know, um, and obviously Castleberry's more of a fan than me. But like I say, I got I give mad props to the dude, man. You know, made it in a crazy business. Made it through the drugs. Made it through the drama of the band thing and whatever. And now he's uh, he's like, you know, he's got a great band. He's one of the best dudes to work for. So, hey, yeah. 
Props to Alice. Yeah, well, this is your turn. This is after all the times I had to talk about fucking Ingve. <laughs> you get to you get to talk about uh, Alice Cooper. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. See, that's fair. That's fair. And so, coming up, join us next time when we'll be talking about Ingve again <laughs> on the Metal Shop Podcast. Your will, I'm calling.